Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets. No, Big Mac and Quarter Pounder with cheese. Or filet fish You'd be doing the same thing if you were at McDonald's because you can choose not just one, but two of your favorites for just six bucks. Tasty Big Mac, crispy 10-piece Chicken McNuggets, juicy Quarter Pounder with cheese, or savory filet fish Enjoy two of your all-time favorites for just six bucks, if you can decide on the two. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. What is up, everybody? This is Scott Yeager here for another edition of Challenge Mania. This episode is brought to you by Ting once again. They're the best mobile you've never heard of. You can get $25 off your entire bill or $25 off a new phone in the Ting shop. Just go to mania.ting.com. That's mania.ting.com. All right. You did not come for me, ladies and gentlemen. You came for D. So on the line right now, nothing but a D thing, baby. What's up, dude? Derek Kaczynski, how are you? So, yeah, no, what's up? I mean, I got a lot of uh, good responses from the Landon podcast and uh, the West podcast, you know, so, uh, you know, thanks. Well, we got to, some more uh, West for him right West. here. Got some more West right here. Yeah, yeah. West side. West side, baby. West side. Ain't nothing but oh, a D I thing. I'm saying that. I'm not going to take credit for ain't nothing but a D thing. That is one of the fantasy football team names that somebody is using over in our patron-only league that we are starting. Uh, it's a really cool league we're doing. All of the winnings are going to a charity of the winner's choosing. So just in champs versus stars fashion, all of the teams competing in the league, patrons only, obviously, have submitted an, a pre-approved charity. If they win, the entire prize pot goes to that charity. But we, D and I, are also putting together Challenge Mania swag packs to sweeten the deal for first, second, and third place. They'll be winning stuff like Challenge Mania swag, tickets, VIP meet and greet tickets, mind you, to a Challenge Mania live of their choosing. They will have an appearance on the Meet the Patrons podcast. So a lot of cool stuff. We'll shout them out on the show. It's a really fun addition over to the Patreon we have over there. If you haven't checked out patreon.com slash Challenge Mania, um, we have a really fun, awesome community over there. Um, and the Fantasy Football League is just the newest addition. But we bring you guys bonus content we break down every episode of the final reckoning and that is where we are completely uncensored we don't cut anything out of that show yeah yeah um you know i think we get a little bit more fired up like this last one like you're really fired up i got fired up i'm not gonna say about what not gonna say about what but i get fired up fired up Um, i think uh and i think i think i think i went a little overboard myself there with uh with somebody I don't normally do, but uh, that's you know, why whole, we, keep, like, we keep life preservers on standby. The, the, the people on these shows, you know, just like always overreacting about some of the littlest shit, you know, and I don't always want, you know, I'm not always open, you know, I want to hear the other side of the story, you know what I mean? So, like that, the private Patreon podcast, you kind of get the, the, the deep, the, the D, deep side of Derek. Oh, and, yeah. uh, well, that's not a tease. That doesn't get you to become a patron. I don't know what will, but here's who did become a patron in the last week, folks. Shouts to Valerie Cardoza, Alex Rogers. I believe he's going to be participating in the Fantasy Football League. Beth Ann Davis, Christina Lang, Bodacious, Katie, Amber Ryan Gallant, Megan Yarnell, Menza Mania, Allison Leggy, Lisa Gridgley, Melanie Allen, Laura Arnold, Haley Blois, Robin Hall, Scott Greenlaw, Jamie Lynn, Ali Weckerly, Anna, Elise Carpenter, and Espeth Cannell, Espeth Cannell maybe. 
Brittany Lowry, and Sarah Bruner. Man, I can't tell you, we are getting more and more patrons every week, and we cannot thank you enough. It is so encouraging, and it helps us keep the lights on here for these two free podcasts on iTunes. So if you are not a patron yourself, but you know a patron personally, thank them, because they are helping contribute to keeping these two podcasts for free over here. And to sweeten the deal, like I said, we bring a mad bonus content over there and other fun giveaways, raffles, special opportunities to ask questions to surprise guests like Landon. Um, it's a really fun time. I encourage you guys to check it out over there. We have some free podcasts that meet the patrons podcast over there. You can check out to get a taste without having to dive right into patronage. So thank you guys. Um, I want to get to West real quickly. I know you guys always shit on the long intros, uh, but really this time is because I'm a little bit under the weather. So I do want to get to West because uh, my voice is not at its best right now, but I do want to remind you guys about the viewing party at East end bar and grill here in Manhattan on September 4th. Our special guest will be Devin Simone. That's right. You can't have a matchmaker in the house without doing a little bit of matchmaking so if you are a single challenge fan come and maybe we'll mix and match you with another single challenge fan we'll see what happens all you have to do is rsvp challenge mania podcast at gmail.com this party is f-r-e-e free some new guest announcements for challenge mania lives go ahead d Oh, you got more. You got Challenge Mania Live guests. We got guests, dude. Let them know who's coming. We got some guest information for you. That's right. Brea Improv on September 22nd. Joining myself, joining D, joining Sarah and Susie from Brain Candy will also be the Gauntlet Queen, Sarah Grayson. That's right. Blast from the past. True Challenge Royalty, the Gauntlet Queen, will be at the Brea Improv. Tickets are available at challengemania.live. And another guest announcement for Boston. September 29th, Howl at the Moon. Devin Walker. Let's go. You can get that merch over at challengemania.shop. You better come in a Devin Walker t-shirt when you come and party with Devin Walker in Boston with myself, Cara Maria, Cousin Jamie D, Challenge Mania Live. And you can get tickets to that show at challengemania.boston. Wow. All I was thinking is like, I, I missed the flyer with Jamie on it, but I still want to be the first person to get a, get a Bloodlines photo up on stage with those two because I'm so jealous that they, that, 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 that that they're like I didn't get to do it with my brothers, and I think I've told you that before too. But um, I, I, that's awesome, man. And then we're gonna get some ginger beer. Did you mention we need some ginger beer, some homemade ginger beer? Yeah, let's from, keep that. Uh, let's Devin's, keep let's keep that under Devin's wraps business. for now. But there might be some beers well, in the house. Um, let's talk about DC. There will be a guest that you will know by the time our next podcast drops. I wouldn't be surprised if you know who our first guest is for DC. But that is October thirteenth at the DC Improv. Tickets at ChallengeManiaDC.com. All right, dude. Let's go. Let's get to let's get to West. Here's part two. We got part one out of the way. That was all the Derek and West story. But now that bygones are bygones, you know, now that we put a bow on that whole thing, we could talk to Wes about everything challenge. This guy watches every episode of the show. He's a super fan. He's a smart guy. He also is not scared to throw some bombs. So, um, so yeah, let's get this, uh, let's get this show on the road. Let's put a bow on West part two. I know you guys have been waiting all week for it. We appreciate all the positive feedback. Hit us up and let us know at Weston Bergman, at Shot of Jaeger, at Derek MTV on Twitter. Hey, Facebook, we see you over there too. Facebook.com slash Challenge Mania Podcast. D, what do you have to say before we enter into the unknown realm that is Weston Bergman Part 2? Well, first and foremost, I definitely think you should be sending him a maniac, a maniac shirt somewhere. Uh, and, um, you know, this is him. This is this is what he thinks of the show. This is what he thinks of the years, the history, his life, who he is. And um, and I'm glad you put this together, Scott. What I when I was when I interrupted you before, I just wanted to let you know that you're doing an awesome job. And uh, with with everything in, at Challenge Mania, um, thanks for being the uh, Herb Dean and the Don King of this. Uh, you know, Derek 
West Side Story. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy the rest of this. Uh, I believe the, the beginning of this is about his company. So Wait, Wes has, West a, West has a company? Something like that. All right, let's find out about that company. Thank you, guys. Enjoy. What's up, Challenge Maniacs? Just want to tell you about some really awesome additions that Derek and I have made to the Challenge Mania shop. No way! Derek is my favorite. Tell me you saw his battle with Jaws. All you have to do is go to challengemania.shop and check out all our new gear. Maniacs come in all sizes. We have tons of new designs for you to show your love for challengers like Jemmy. Can I have a gem class hoodie? Devin. Let's go. Polly. Who's this Polly guy? I've never heard of him. Shane. I don't know why, but I do not trust him. And our newest design, Kayla. I don't care what anybody says about Kayla. She's my favorite. Go to challengemania.shop and you can represent the podcast and your favorite cast members today. I don't know what a podcast is, but I want it. I think Devin said it best. Let's go. Challenge accepted. Thank you guys for a great part one. We're gonna end that there. And now we are going to go into part two. If you haven't heard part one, folks, we talked with Wes for over 90 minutes about he and Derek's past and history. And we were able to put a good old fashioned challenge mania bow on that. But we are back with a part two where we're gonna hopefully talk about everything but that. But of course, when it comes up tangentially, we'll sprinkle that in if necessary. But Wes, dude, I gotta start off by saying, what I love about you is you obviously have a lot going on. You're very successful. We know you. You know um, you have a, a business that's very prominent in your life, and you do. You know have little ways of kind of distancing yourself. You know, I asked you. I was like, "Oh, follow me. I'll DM you." You're like, "Slide on in." I look. I'm like, "Oh, he only follows one person, and, and it's his company." So you do stuff like that, but then you listen to every episode of Challenge Mania. You watch every week of the show and avoid spoilers. You're still a self-professed Challenge fan, which I love. You play both sides of it. You don't live by it. You don't need it, but you still embrace it. Um, so let's talk about that and the role that the show has in your life today. You still do Champs versus Stars. You're still watching every week. Talk about how you feel about the current climate of the show and how you fit into it. Um, well, I mean, that's a that's a hard one to answer because there's a lot going on, but I'd say the challenge, like whether it's my fandom in it or Champs for Stars or, or gearing up to hopefully at some point in time do a real one, all of it, the challenge I look at is like just my biggest hobby. Like it's taken, it, it, it trumps soccer, it trumps uh, you know, all, whatever I do on the side for free time with my friends at Trump's barbecuing at Trump's, uh, going to some of my favorite sporting events. It's like, it's my hobby and kind of, uh, being a fan of it and staying engaged and, and going on as much stuff as I possibly can. It's just, that's how I would describe it as my hobby. It's just, that it's just bad. I don't need it, but I love it. And if I could do more of it, I would, but I, I can't. Um, I've been asked to do every single show 
every single spinoff, every single reunion, every single absolutely anything that they've ever done since I was 19 years old. And uh, that's continued in this last year. That's con- going to continue into this next year. And I've wanted to do the last several um, and or I've wanted to do all of them. But like I was I, I just couldn't do Dirty 30 because I didn't have enough time. I couldn't do Vendettas for the same reason. I couldn't do Final Reckoning for the same reason. Um, and I but I tried to do all three of those and I'm going to continue to try. And so it's just a matter of it's tough for me to get babysitters for lack of a better word to do my job for me. Um, it's just, it'd be too expensive to find the people that are that to come in and do this and do it full time and to do a good enough job. And how I, my company works is I essentially trade a bunch of services that I, that I pay for and train people up and hire people to do. And I trade those services in exchange for startup companies equity. And so when I don't do my job correctly, I don't like reach over the cash register and give them their money back. I get sued. And so it's not as, it's not as simple because people, if they're not happy, then I own five ish percent of these people's companies. And so it's a, a very serious matter of, it's not like I've got some corporate gig where my boss won't let me leave. It's more along the lines of got hundreds of bosses and all of this at in, and all of them at almost any given point in time, if they're not fully satisfied with the product, then, uh, then lawyers get involved and just gets real serious real quickly. That said, I've been making moves in the last year or so to kind of get myself out of that situation to where there, I've got more people that are augmenting our company and more employees. I've got 27 part-time employees that all kind of come in and augment everything I do. Every single one of those people has uh, third-party validated multi-million dollar companies of their own, and they come in and kind of just help do the mentorship and run the classes and do the one-on-one consultation and all the stuff that makes it possible for me to not necessarily be there as much. And so I, I wanted to do the last one. So I want to hype people up and say, I'm going to go on another one. But the likelihood of me going on another one is as high as the likelihood as I would have said a month or two before uh, the Dirty 30 or a month or two before Vendettas or a month or two before the Final Reckoning. And you see how that resulted, which is I wasn't on any of them. And so I'm trying my best. And Buna Murray and MTV are doing their best to try and be flexible with my situation, give me maybe some unfair advantages that might make it more possible for me to come back. And I'm going to try. And, uh, um, but I, right now I just have to kind of settle for the, the champs versus series and, um, and, and, and being a fan, which is, which is almost a more satisfying role than even playing the games. Yo, Wes, can I ask a, can I ask a question? Hey, can you give us like an example of like, you know, some of your companies and stuff like that, like, like what it is exactly that, like that, that you're involved with and is there any place that we can go and, and, and check that stuff out? Like, can you promo some of that? Like, can we, can we get it anywhere? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, I have not, why I have to hire so many people and all this stuff. And I had, I just had to raise a bunch of money to fulfill and all this demand is I have to turn down 90% of everyone that wants to be my customer and have been doing that for the better part of a decade. So I don't need any like plugs or help or anything along uh-huh. those lines because we're just, I mean, I, it's a good problem to have, but I'm constantly trying it, it'd be like if I owned a, a restaurant and there was a line out my door every single minute of every single day. That's a good problem to have, but still drives the owner crazy of how much money they're leaving on the table. Uh, but to what I do, what I do when I explain what I, what I, what my business is to people that don't understand is I run what's called a business incubator, which is an analogy would be like, cons- consider it like a university or a school 
for startup companies. So they're getting ready to uh, start their first company or, or and it's some sort of a hopefully scalable venture that will go off and make hopefully millions of dollars. But they say to themselves, you know what, maybe I didn't go to business school and I don't have any mentors. I don't have advisors. I don't have office space. I don't have photography and web development and I don't have lawyers and they don't have all these things that you need to build a company. And what I go and do is before I meet up with all these people is I um, procure all that stuff in, in giant scale to where I hire lots of mentors and lots of speakers and lots of co-founders and lots of a great, beautiful office space. I'm sitting inside of my mine right now. And then, uh, and, and I, and so I act like a school and the, the tuition for that school is not cash. Instead of them giving me cash for all those services, they give me 5% of their company and that's how they pay for all these services. And so contractually we act as, uh, that the school acts almost like a co-founder of their business. And the idea is that all those things are meant to increase their likelihood of survival and increase their likelihood of becoming successful and the speed at which it takes to become successful. And so my job is when I see like, okay, the company X, X is got a, an issue in um, their supply chain. And then I go hire an expert in that to come in and help fix the problem. Or I know that our group needs to hear a lot about, let's say, inbound marketing or search engine optimization or pay-per-click advertising. So I bring those types of people in to speak and to run classes and everything. And we take uh, 10 companies on every uh, four months, and, uh, and each one of those companies pays exactly the same, and they all start at the same time. So if you get into our program, then there's nine other people that are all starting on day one with you. So you kind of have this like boot camp mentality, like cohort style to where you're all kind of friends with each other. And that adds more value to their businesses as well. And then in four months later, I'll bring in another crop and four months later, I'll bring in another crop. And around the, uh, around, around a year and a half is the mark. Uh, so around two, early 2013 is when stuff started to somewhat work. Um, cause the first year I sucked and didn't know what I was doing and made a bunch of mistakes. And then around the second year stuff started to hum. And then around the third year I could prove that what we were doing was working. And then, so the second that I could prove, uh, what we were doing was working, I raised a shitload of money from a venture capital firm in Oklahoma and, uh, they paid for me to expand and just double up. Like a, think of it like a second, restaurant or a second school that I put in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so now we acquire 5% of 10 companies in Kansas City and then 5% of 10 companies in Tulsa at the same time within a week of each other every four months, so three times a year, which means I'm acquiring part of a small piece of somewhere in the neighborhood of 60-ish businesses every year. And the hope is that one or two of those turns into gangbusters and they just they build themselves into a 50, 60, 100 million dollar company. And then they sell to a large corporation or to a private equity firm or whatever, at which point we get paid a lot of money then or they start writing off dividends. At which point we get five percent of whatever they're paying themselves from a profit standpoint. And so all that stuff starts to compound with each other. So not only are we constantly putting new things into the portfolio, but those the things that we put in in the years past are growing larger and larger and larger. Cool. All right, D, did you get all that? Yeah, I think he said he's uh, g- going to be on Shark Tank pretty soon. Well, I think what he's saying is he is Shark Tank. Um, yeah, and, oh. and eventually he will be one of the yeah, guys you're, on Shark you're Tank, both, right? you're, 
you're you're both right. We're cl- I'm closer to a Shark Tank than being on Shark Tank. But one of my companies, I almost got on Shark Tank, and we got cut three days before they started filming this last season. So I was a really big fan of that show, and now I don't watch it because I'm still a little butthurt. because oh. that was that's like a bucket list. Oh, you wanted to get in it. Yeah, we. I, I wanted to stand. I wanted to stand on that card. No offense, like I've been, I wanted to be on Challenge Mania for a long time now too. But I wanted to stand <laughs> on, that, on that carpet uh, a lot more. And I, we have the absolute perfect business to do so. It was uh, uh, one of our ventures. It's it's a product called Filament. It's a smart light company, and you buy them in networks. So you buy like let's say three of them. And so Derek would give one to his uh, son, and one to his parents, and one to his brother. And then if any one of them in and all those people, I'm assuming, live in different states and cities. And so if they're thinking of each other, all you do is you tap one of the lights and then all the lights in the network grow, glow a different light. So you know that someone in your network is thinking about you. And based on what color it changes to, you know who's thinking of you. And so it's a very uh, it's a it's a it's a sexy tech that uses very little tech to show off like your love for someone and you're thinking about them. And the guy can't keep up with orders is going to probably do somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 million dollars in sales this year. And he's only about less than two years old. He's an MIT engineer. He's the uh, concert master of the symphony in Wichita. Uh, and so everything was like perfect. And I was going to go stand on the carpet alongside that guy. And uh, we got cut three uh, ish days before they were about to, before we were going to fly out. Um, and they claim it was because there was too many smart, uh, smart, what do you call them? Like objects, like smart things, smart tech that was going to be on that season. And they wanted to diversify it with more food and clothing and kids companies and that sort of thing. So I got, I'm a little bitter about the actual shark tank stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, well, I, when he, when he first started talking about it, I was like, Oh, so he's like shark tank. And then eventually when I, when, uh, when you asked me the question, I was just kind of like, you know, thinking that, you know, that he's probably doing pretty well with all this and that he'll eventually, you know, be sitting next to Mark Cuban. So, um, has anybody from the challenge approached you since you started doing this or since at least it's became highly publicized that you have such a business mind and entrepreneurial spirit? Like, has anyone come to you from your time on the challenge to ask for either help advice or investment in their business? Yeah. Um, so we can't help anyone that doesn't live in Tulsa or Kansas city. Cause I mean, it'd be like saying, yeah, sure. I'll let you into Harvard, but you have to live in Cambridge, you know, uh, or else like, what's the point of getting into Harvard if you can't come to classes and meet with the professors and go to office hours and that kind of stuff. Um, but a lot of them have talked about, uh, and you know, use me for free just over the phone to kind of just get my take on things. And when I say a lot of them, I mean a good, a very large. Now that I'm thinking about it, I mean a very, very large percentage of all the stars slash uh, pros, because a lot of these people are they're looking for their next thing or have already invested, and in. they're all almost all of them are entrepreneurs in their own rights. And so they're just looking for people to kind of see, say like, okay, have you based on where I'm at, what landmines do you see in my future? And so. Uh, I've helped out quite a few of them, but we're not, I'm not like formally, I don't own part of any of their businesses or, or anything. It hasn't gotten really formal and, and more than a handful of them have asked me for investment, but, um, I haven't 
been able to make any of that happen. It's just that's not our business model. Is that what you meant? You earlier in part one, you'd mentioned you kind of relate at this point more to the to the stars than some of the the champs or quote unquote champs challengers that you work with these days. Is it the ambition? Is it the side businesses? Is 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 it that the aspirations and stuff like that? The business acumen and the wherewithal to say, hey, oh wow, I'm working with this guy who has this great incubator in in Tulsa and Kansas City. I should ask for his advice. Whereas the challenge people are probably just like, dude, what are you doing on Saturday? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And I don't, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not showing throwing shade on the challengers. But it's like they're that what they want to talk about is they're about to leave two to four weeks from each of the champ seasons to go film an actual show. So they're in game mode. They're they're already playing the game before the game starts. And so to a certain extent, I'm like the NFL preseason for uh, each of these actual people. So I'm like the third string quarterback that gets thrown in just to just to get some reps in with some of the some of the other players on the team, but then they leave and some of the stories that I was a part of unfold, which is kind of fun to watch. But yeah, each of those, almost all of those stars and pros have their own hustle in some way, shape or form going on. And they all have a story that sounds somewhat like this. Well, they have this awkward upbringing where their athletics puts them in some sort of athletics or some sort of a supreme talent in something like music or dance, puts them in a situation where they have a very weird anomaly of a career, which then, then manifests into an entrepreneurial venture. And my life is very similar to that, where the challenge is my version of that anomaly of a career path that I then use as a lily pad to jump into entrepreneurship. And so all the pros and the stars, they all have such similar analogous situations to me that it just makes it easier for me to relate to them than it does for me to relate to the challengers who aren't quite yet diversifying their investment portfolios, if you know what I mean. And in all fairness, most of them, I mean, we start, we talk about like the Kayla's and group, they're all at their age. I wasn't investing. I wasn't worrying about stocks and bonds and equity and diversification. None of that meant anything to me at that time. Um, and so I'm not throwing shade on them. They're just younger and the stars and the pros, they're a little bit closer to my age and they're doing things that are more similar to what I do, you know, 300 plus days out of the year. And what it was, is, is that the, the uh, champs versus stars that much different than the big challenge? Would you, um, I think you just called said like third string, third string compared to preseason preseason compared to like the big show. And, um, how do those two compare? Um, just, yeah. Okay. So, so if we compare like a chance for stars to any oh, of in the sport in sports, in sports, would you, would you consider, um, the challenge of sport? Um, those are two very different questions, my friend. Yes. Yes. We like to call that the Kaczynski special. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. Uh, let's start, let's start, let's, let's compare the two. So it's people like to oversimplify this so much. And like, and I know that, I mean, even Scott's gotten in on the, on the champs versus digs because he, you guys are taking data from the pilot, which was champs versus pros, which was only like, I want to say maybe 14 ish days at most. But then the next one was a little over three weeks. And the next one after that was 35 days. So when you, and then I remember the duel was about 35 days. And so with the exception of the fact that the food is absolutely dramatically better and you get a lot more skin because of the, you get to keep your phones during the majority of the time and you can go back to your a private room. You can actually turn off the lights and all that. I'm, I'm admitting that some aspects of things are a lot easier, 
But if you were to compare like any of the first challenges, right, like the first 10 ish, uh, those were all dramatically easier than any of the champs versus star seasons. So either a, you have to completely get rid of any quote unquote wins that happened in the first 10 seasons because they're all worthless or you have to start adding in the champs versus uh, ones start to deserve an actual win because there's no way. I mean, the season one and season three finals, and I know because I was in both of them, those finals were harder than any final that there had ever been up until probably fresh meat one. And so those are like an actual, actually difficult stuff. And another thing to make, make things hard is there are not really any layups because they're pulling from just people that are good. And then you add in some actual athletes uh, and all of a sudden you're looking at a squad that is that looks and feels and acts more like you're in the final two weeks of an actual challenge. And there's no fluff time. There's no fat to trim. It's like exclusively people that have stories that have tenured stories with each other, as well as great athletes and people that are all there for the right reasons. And so it's, it is, it is definitely a very difficult, complicated, fun and fulfilling game that, that, uh, that kind of gets thrown under the rug a little bit, just because when you compare it to the actual challenge, it's like, um, it's, it's definitely not as hard, but I don't really think that the fans should view it as an actual challenge. Cause it's not meant to be that it's got a completely different budget. It's got a completely different mission. I consider it more like it's the all-star game. So, uh, and you should treat it like that, right? Like you're not, you're not going to be a big fan of MLB and care about all, all 160 plus games and care about the world series and care about all that stuff. And then also take the all-star game seriously. No, that's like that you take the all-star game as a time to like sit back and relax and enjoy yourself and, and, uh, and see like more of a spectacle than an actual, uh, and then the actual sport. And then a, a week or two later, they're going to get right back into it for the actual game. And so I don't, I think the fans kind of get so caught up into they, they feel like it's supposed to be just another challenge and that's not its purpose. Well, what about guy? Well, what about guys like Tony who just, just won his first challenge championship? And you're going to say it compares to an all-star game, one game. Really? Yeah. You're not even going to call that an inter- intercontinental championship. I mean, I, I mean, it, we're throwing around a lot of analogies in, in this <laughs> in this thing, so it, it starts to become like comparing apples to oranges here. But you know, I, I think that if they could go back in time, they wouldn't have called the thing champs. Uh, the reality is, they it's can fan- go back in time though. That's what I don't get. Shows change their name all the time. I don't get why they, they just don't. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not privy to those boardroom meetings, so I'm not, and so I'm not speaking on behalf of those people. But the reality is, everyone that they are casting are champs in the hearts of fan favorites. I mean, they're in the hearts of fans. They're fan favorites, and so, uh, and they're also, I've all proven to be really good at a couple of things that makes you a good all around cast member. And so, I, and, and you could say that say the same thing about what qualifies a person to get into an all-star game. Uh, and so it's a combination of who's relevant. They're also branding new cast members. And do I think it's a little insulting that they use the word champs? Yes. As an actual, cha- as an actual multi-time champ. Yes, I do. Um, but 
they're, they're all good, relevant cast members, and they're all just kind of continuing the brand. And, and, and if there was a big voting process like there is in the MLB, then these are the people that would get voted in even if they don't have challenge championships. Yeah, and we actually thought the final from the last season that you were a part of, although I think you guys came in third, but I loved that final. I thought visually, I thought it was the first time visually it felt like a full challenge final. I don't know if it was like the aerial shots or just where you guys did it in like the mountains there or whatever. It looked like rainy Scotland even though we know it was, you know, often, you know, wherever, Pasadena or something. But, like, it just had that feel of a legit final. So, I, I actually, this past season, I really dug. Uh, but, uh, you know, the conversation we had a bunch about whether people are champs or not could be just solved with not calling it that. Because Shane, I believe Derek is the always, always the one who plays devil's advocate and says, well, technically Shane won his road rule season, to which I say absolutely nothing. Yeah, well, that's Derek's job. It's devil's advocate. Yeah, Let, let's play some uh, word word slash name game association with you because I love I saw you guys I saw you do this on your live once and I know that by watching the show even if you haven't met some of these people you have opinions on them and then some of these people you've interacted with so I'm just going to throw out a challenger or some of these might be uh, stars and you could just tell me first thing that comes to mind. All right. Yeah. All right. We're going to start with Tony. Uh, you know, the, all the ways the banana scribes him are pretty true and pretty funny. I mean, he's kind of like that that dog. Um, and 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 I hope that that is taken the right way because everyone knows how much I love dogs and especially my dog. And so and what I mean by that is he's like uh, he's just happy almost all the time. He's in a he's there to please. He's a he, he's a, he's also athletic like a dog, especially in the last year or so. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. Like when I'm on my couch and his, and he comes on, like I, I get happy. I start immediately smiling cause I know that I'm no more than three seconds away from laughing. And so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of what he's doing, even though I have a bad feeling that he's about to get back on the banana boat. I mean, no spoilers if you know anything, but like. I am, I'm seeing him liking a bunch of banana shit online and I'm seeing him bananas reel him back in slowly, but surely on this show. And it's like, it just is watching a, a train crash in slow motion. Like it's so, it's going to be very disappointing. Um, what about, all right, my next guy blast from the past Kahuta. I mean, I don't think I have really anything good or bad to say about him. I mean, he, uh, I mean, I mean, the good is he's obviously a good person, but, uh, I, I don't, I don't have anything entertaining to say. I mean, he's never really, he's never done anything in the show that's with the exception of he was the first person to beat me, which took three years for everyone trying together to do. Uh, so I guess that's it. But I mean, other than that, what do you write on his gravesite, right? Like that, that's it. What beat Wes and then an elimination. And then you, has he won one? I mean, has he won a bunch of eliminations in a row? Has he gotten in any important fights to the story? Has he started any fights? Has he had any, uh, like, I mean, I, I just can't, I just look back and I just don't, I'm just not entertained, you know? Yeah, he won our hearts, but yeah, I mean, it's funny, you guys come up in the same breath a lot because, you know, to use somewhat of a morbid uh, way of, of slicing it there, what goes on his gravestone, from a challenge perspective, it probably is once beat West. So, um, but that being said, we really like the guy, but that's why I wanted to ask that because I think that does come up as the, uh, to use a wrestling analogy, the one, two, three kid beating Razor Ramon moment for a lot of people in the early nineties or Ronda Rousey going down like a ton of bricks. And that just, that, that classic sports upset. I think people remember that in the challenge world in that same manner. Yep. And he does, he deserved it. He beat me fair and square. And, uh, that's that. I mean, he, he kicked my ass at that game and, uh, 
and I even got a chance to coach that same game again on the spring break challenge. And I lost again. I mean, I have what my Achilles heel is knots. I've been sent home from three challenges on knots. I can't untie knots. Uh, so, you know, everyone's got their kryptonite and mine is fucking knots. Yeah, that came up actually on our show this week. We had Chuck Mowry on. I'll use that as a segue. And you guys had a little bit of a Twitter back and forth recently because he had mentioned, I mean, the guy's a scuba diver, scuba instructor, shark hunter, Aquaman, whatever you want to call him. He said something about being able to beat any challenge competitor in a swimming competition. You chirp back. Well, you, I think you should look at times before you make a claim like that. And then you kind of got a little bit personal about having donated to his GoFundMe without a thank you. He said that he grew to the point where he, he realized you maybe were saying that in tongue-in-cheek fashion or he could read it with picturing a grin on your face. Can you set the record straight there and where that was coming from and whether you were kind of offended by him not saying thank you initially or offended by him claiming that he could beat you in a swimming competition? Where do you two stand? Yeah, I wasn't offended until he started talking shit. So to, to rewind, this was like three or four years ago, I want to say. Um, and, uh, and, and they weren't letting, I mean, there was what felt like I would never, I was never going to meet this guy, but I hear this story about someone in our MTV family, uh, has hurt himself. He's in financial dire straits. He's got to go fund me accounts up to help him with his medical bills and without calling him, without knowing him, without direct messaging him. I mean, cause if you want to actually help someone, you just go do it. And so I sign on to the GoFundMe page and I donate and, uh, I, I'm sure either he didn't look through the list or what, but he never sent a thank you, never acknowledged me, never did anything about it. And then fast forward to a couple of weeks ago and he's essentially talking shit on me. He's not, he's not like ambiguously calling himself the best swimmer on the challenge. He's responding to a fan that said something that brought me yeah. up. He did say, and, I think he could beat you. Yeah. That's who started it was the guy right. saying and he so, thinks he could beat you. Yeah. Yes. And in, a, and, and I've earned that spot is in that brand in the swimming part of the challenge. And, uh, and he hasn't, he hasn't even competed in one thing yet. And so this is like, of all the people to talk shit on, to stay relevant with, why has he got to choose the guy that he's never fucking met and who had privately without needing one ounce of credit gave him money just to help him out in a hard time. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's just none of that made sense. Made me a little bit team Britney, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then he, on our show this week, admitted that the reason he seemed so confident was, I guess he had seen the, the recent not debacle for you, um, on champs versus stars, but had kind of thought, Oh, that's because he can't handle a swimming challenge. Little did he know you have this illustrious swimming background and it's actually a not problem that you're dealing with that you're still working on. And that was sort of the way he kind of, you know, amended what he had initially said. And he also mentioned that he had no idea about the donation and he's sorry that he didn't say thank you, but the thousands of people had, had, donated and you didn't have time to say thank you to all of them but just want to get your side of it because he also mentioned that you might have been coming from a place of irony there or just kind of a wink and a nod when when i read it i was like "Ooh, shots fired i couldn't picture a smile at all uh i don't i wasn't i wasn't happy i mean i wasn't like mad or offended about it but i mean it's a sign of disrespect like it's it's weird like in any career or any sport or whatever you work your way up to you deserve a certain amount of respect and, uh, and, and him, and, and it sucks that the way that people are getting cast these days, especially cause there's, 
So almost all of it is based off rivalries. The way people are getting cast is by throwing shade. And so it's like by the time I've gotten to a position in my life where I should be getting respect, it's like now all these new people are coming in and they're and they're doing the opposite because it makes them relevant. And uh, and while I'm while I'm on that story, let me tell a quick a quick story. That I don't know whether or not anyone wants to give any credit to this or not, but uh, I remember back in the day thinking it would be hilarious if this was um, that if Beth Stelarchik and Tina Barta got in a boxing ring and fought because of they got in that little fight on the duel. And I thought it'd be hilarious if like in real life, uh, people actually watch this beef inside of a ring. And so I then proceeded to use my money from the earn from the duel to build this thing that we called the reality rumble, which was going to have three different sets of challengers that have beef on the show fight each other. Like, like I was a license. I was one of four licensed boxing promoters, uh, in the state of Arizona. I was bringing everyone in, paying them all to like fight each other. And things all broke down because Katie broke her ribs about four days before the fight. And so did MJ. So two of my three fights were completely ruined. It all kind of blew up in, 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 in a big, uh, steamy pile of shit, but, uh, uh which was bad for me. Uh, but I really kind of do deserve way more credit than I deserve for starting the whole, uh, um, you know, rivalry thing. Cause, uh, what, what was the first season that they did that? What, what do you even call it? So, Hey, so who were, who, who did you have pinned up against each other? I remember this. Yeah. It was, who was supposed M- to fight who? it was MJ versus Landon. It was Tanya versus Katie. And it was, Oh, now I can't even remember who the next one was, but people kept, it, it, it changed over the months of kind of putting this all together because people would kind of drop out and get back Alton in. Alton and Evan, Alton and Evan. Alton and Evan. Yeah, that was it. So that one, that one, that, that was definitely a thank you. Um, but, uh, okay. What, why am I blanking on this? What is, but what, they what, weren't what? rivals, but they weren't, they weren't rivals. You were trying to figure out who, uh, who, what the first season was where they did rivals or yeah, rivals or something like that. It was right. probably and Battle of the Exes, right? Or yeah, okay, no, no, no. It was literally Rivals One. So fast forward like six to twelve months after uh, after I did this this boxing stuff, and there's Rivals One, and and so like, is it? it am I trying to say that I had the idea? Maybe. Um, and, and, and I don't know how much of this they pulled from that as an idea. And I hope they did. Right. Like, I mean, it's it's free intellectual property. I'm not like saying they owe me a, a royalty or anything. But fast forward to Rivals 1, Rivals 2, Rivals 3, Dirty 30, which is essentially Rivals, Vendettas, which is just a synonym for Rivals, and The Final Reckoning, which is Rivals. And now uh, everyone across the Internet, every C-list celebrity to ever grace the television show and any channel ever is trying to start Twitter beef with me and everyone else in our universe to get on a show because they think everything is based off this one little nook of an idea that I had quantitatively on paper before MTV did. How far along did you get in this process? Like, for instance, like, was there a flyer? Do like the average fans know about this? I lost like 50 grand in cash as a 21 year old. Uh, I spent like six months on it. Everything got broken down within like four days of the thing because people were getting actually hurt in the training process. Part of their part of what I was paying them to do was they had to go to trainers in their hometowns and the trainers would then check in with me of how hard they were going, how often they were showing up, were they hitting the regiments? I mean, it was, I wasn't just willy nilly throwing them in a, into a, into a thing at a bar. I had rented out like one of the only like, like true boxing studios that with the round 360 degree seating in uh, Phoenix 
uh, it was like a really big deal. I lost a bunch of money and it was a very big, uh, slap on the face for sure. And I learned a lot definitely. Um, but it got really far. It all had to get canceled like three days beforehand because two of my people literally broke their ribs. Uh, Katie broke her ribs and MJ broke her ribs. MJ broke his ribs and is, uh, in training for the actual thing. Uh, I had to get x-rays and stuff to get out of certain contracts. And then Katie broke her ribs because she got drunk and fell over a railing. She didn't even do it training, huh? No, she was doing training. She was not getting hurt in the training. She was, she got hurt, not like, like fucking around. But what's, I, I would like to put out there that Katie was probably more ready for a challenge on that day. But there, let's say the, the hour before she broke her ribs than any actual challenge that she showed up for because MTV doesn't like check in on our training and all that stuff. I was like, Katie was going to four and five boxing trainings a week for literal months before she got hurt. Wes, well, well, what what I feel like you're getting at here is that like you kind of like came up with this idea of the next like reality TV explosion or the next like challenge explosion. And then now we're at the point where they're bringing in people from like all types of different directions, all types of different shows. Um, well, like, and, you know, we've had the X's, we have had the rivals, we've had the vendettas. Like, what's the next explosion? Like, what what can they do? They've thrown a million dollars up there. Like, what can possibly top? A bunch of vendettas, people that hate each other. Um, yeah, Wes, what are you working dollars. on now? What's on the napkin now that yeah. you've uh, what's, been what's scribbling What's the next down? reality rumble? What's the next reality rumble? Well, I can't say that because uh, Luis and I are actually inform- like formally kind of pitching the next idea. Uh, and But this time we're just blatantly giving it to them. Like I'm not going to even try anything. And I don't even – like I just – you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, but it would be more for like one of the spinoffs, I guess you should say. Um, and, um, but not for the big ones for the big ones, honestly, like I want to just keep getting surprised. Like uh, whatever they're doing, it's working. Like, I don't, I don't think it even needs to change that much. Like, I don't think that we need to have like a, an, an X's or a battle of the sexes or anything like that. I think like this, this ambiguously defined kind of, uh, uh, final reckoning esque partnering. I'm, I'm more for that than I am like finding the, the, the cheesy, like, Oh, you kissed somebody seven years ago. So therefore now you qualify to be their partner. I think that they, I think that was a good start to everything seven, eight, nine years ago or whatever. But now I think we can get to a point where we can just say, we're pairing these two people together because it's going to be hilarious. Uh, or we're pairing these people apart because it's going to be hilarious or whatever. So I don't, I don't think there needs to be a hardcore theme. I just think they need to just keep building this into a really interestingly ruled sport and, uh, and that's, that's what I'm excited to watch happen. And I, I'm just putting my trust and faith in the challenge gods. Cause I have been entertained for a long time now, especially in the last year, this whole trilogy stuff, like they're blowing my mind. And I am like, I'm giddy to watch the things. Cause it's just, it's just fun to see people that I know and love on screen. But it's even, but even if I didn't know anyone, I guarantee you, I'd be a fan of the show. Do you watch any of the other shows that are kind of in the periphery now? Like, do you watch Big Brother? Do you watch X on the Beach? Do you watch anything that's feeding these people into the system now? Or are you familiar with any of them at all? Um, I'm, I'm, I've watched every episode of the last two, two seasons of Survivor. And so I'm getting into that. And they play very different than we do. Isn't it great? Uh, I love Survivor. 
I'm I'm I am i am a fan now. I gotta say, uh, I am a fan. They play very very different. So like if you're if you're about to go on your first challenge show and you use Survivor as your game tape, you're gonna lose. Like you're gonna get your butt kicked. And then I would say vice versa too. If you if if you're going on Survivor and you're watching challenge game tape, you'll go on Survivor and get your butt kicked. Like it's two very very different political games. Because on the challenge, I know that they paint it in a lot more doom and gloom way, and we've got a lot more death metal on in the background, and everyone like rivals and hates each other and yada 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 but the reality is is there's very little actual backstabbing because we're going to be in this game with each other repeatedly over and over and over again for years and there's a way for you to fight your way out of stuff so you you almost don't want to create a, a thing and get rid of someone because they might come back. There's half a chance that they will. But on Survivor, it's like you can lie to them right up to their face, right up to the moment that you've conceived this big vote, and then they can't really defend themselves, and they're gone and probably will never be heard from again. And so uh, they're actually a lot more cutthroat on on Survivor than they are on um, on our show. Do you, uh, who jumps out at you from this new crop of cats that we've had? I think, I think really it was, uh, vendettas when they introduced the big brother folks. And now, you know, the Angela's from bad girls club and, and even more folks. Now, anybody who doesn't come strictly from the quote unquote challenge world, which is kind of interesting to say, because they've been coming from, are you the one for a while now, but you know, who, who from this atypical casting pool jumps out at you as fitting in the best? Um, I really like. Angela and Natalie and what sucks and and for multiple reasons why I like them. I really like Natalie's gameplay thus far. She's making some rookie mistakes, but I think that she's got a lot of potential. Um, and I feel like I might be wrong and misstepping when I say this, but she, I think she's got a little bit of a gymnastic background. So, which is, which is a good foundation for this stuff. So I like both of them, but then I have to admit, I partially like them because they're both my types, like to a T, I think that they're fucking beautiful, um, which sucks even worse that they go and then get, banana tarnished both of them so i'm like oh yes a great new chick that i get to look at and and enjoy for who knows how long and then banana steps in and now i don't think that they're attractive anymore and so it's like i can just tell whoever the new hot chick that they bring on next season bananas is going to bang within the first couple of days and then i'm going to be back to you know not having anyone fun to look at so those two those two girls stand out for sure um uh, i really like kyle uh, never met him, never done anything, but man, is it fun to watch like the UK invasion? I think as you, you put it, um, and that's just a really interesting character. He's, he's got a lot of heart, so he's able to kind of, uh, do the athletic stuff to, to way better than anyone would probably think, but he's also like such a, he's just such a good character for all this. And like his lifestyle is just so entertaining that to get, to get thrown into this mix is just really fun to watch. Um, I think I really, really like Polly um, from a fan standpoint, and I hope that I get the chance to meet him and get to like him in a real life standpoint. Um, I relate to his soccer past, uh, which I which I like. I think he's come out too hot this season. Now, granted, how hot he's coming out might qualify him for the next five years worth of challenges, so it might be worth it. But I think he's definitely painting way too big of a target on his back. Uh, but it, it has been fun to watch the demise of his own game. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, those, those are my standouts. 
All right, this is getting good. I knew once we got part one out of the way, the D and West story, that part two would really give us some stuff to sink our teeth into. But just for one moment, I want to tell you guys more about Ting. The benefits of Ting are it's the best mobile you've never heard of. All they do is they do things a little differently. You only pay for what you use. There's no startup fees, no contracts, no plans. It's perfect if most of the time you're at a Starbucks or your aunt's house and you're always on Wi-Fi. Why are you paying for data you don't use? The average Ting bill is just $23 per phone per month. That is crazy. You can use this on any phone you got. You still got that Motorola Razor? It works on that. iPhone X? Works on that. Galaxy S9? Works on that. Reliable customer service when you call up with any questions whatsoever. You talk to an actual human. Not a, thank you for calling Ting. Press 1 for this. No, you talk to a person. I love that. Get $25 off your bill or a new phone in the Ting shop. Just go to mania, that's for us, .ting.com. That's right, maniacs. It's mania.ting.com. $25 off your bill or a new phone. Thank you guys so much for being part of the show once again. Let's get back to Mr. West. Bergman. Mr. West, Mr. West. Um, I want to get two more name game associations with you, but this one kind of comes with more of a question. So, Bananas. You, you and Bananas are kind of linked together. You have a well-publicized rivalry. You just mentioned that you can't even enjoy two of your favorite newer competitors because they've been within four inches of him. Um, so, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I got to ask, though, oh being th the businessman that you are, do you appreciate what he has done? Because, look, I mean, you complimented us before for what we're bringing into the challenge fold and the podcast and the merch and stuff. And, and Johnny Bananas, to me, was the first challenger I saw. I know Emily Schramm was doing it kind of, kind of simultaneously as well, but who created a brand for himself, who started selling his own T-shirts, his own bobbleheads, who, for, for fuck's sake, the guy was on The Tonight Show last year with Jimmy Fallon. So he's hosted a show on NBC now. Can you separate Bananas, the, the loathsome competitor who you just don't jive with, from the guy? who is making more of this than most people who have ever give, been given the platform. Yeah, very much so. I, I disconnect the two and, and, can, and can walk both sides of that. And I do every time I'm asked about this question publicly or privately, but the man has, the man has used this as a lily pad probably as good, if not better, than anyone that's ever come on the show before. He has turned into a branding mastermind. I don't think he meant to do it. I think he was accidentally doing it the first five or six years of his career. But I think some things dawned on him where eventually he's like, oh, wow, I can actually contrive these things and make these happen in my favor. And now he's like proactively putting himself in a situation where it's way more engineered as opposed to accidental. And so from that standpoint, the business standpoint, I mean, I, I, I'm impressed and I tip my hat to him. Um, and it's pretty cool. But everything that I just said is one of the reasons why I hate him. And what I mean by that is uh, I, I took a, a really cool, persuasive writing class when I was in college. And the most important point that stuck with me in that was the most important part of writing something that's persuasive is that you pay tribute to the other side of the argument, which adds more credibility to your arguments. So if you're going to, let's say, make a five-point argument against something, you also need to concede a point and acknowledge that it's not so black and white or else, and it's not binary. So that way, the points that you're making hold more weight. Well, I have X, Y, and Z reasons why I hate him, but I also have A, B, and C reasons why he's a good guy. And I'm always quick to acknowledge that stuff, but Bananas, because he's part of that propaganda crew that we were talking about, he has never one time asked me a question about my life 
about my girl, about my dog, about my company, about anything. He's literally never asked me a question. And it's a game that I tell new people. I'm like, Hey, watch this. Every time you hang out bananas on this new show, see how long it takes for him to ask you a question about your life. Cause he won't. And when he gets asked about me, it's like straight up into, Oh, Wes is a piece of shit, which is his go back, which is his uh, go to. He kind of pulls from that while he's coming up with whatever his new one liner is. But it's always just like, it, he's never even once tried to see things from my side never once actually tried to get to know me. And we've known each other now for over a decade. And so it's like, it just sucks that a man that I'm now tattooed into his life, like refuses to even remotely come at it like an actual human being. He's just a, a psychopath that, and a narcissist. And, uh, and it's, and so those are, it's just hard to get along with someone like that. Can I just say how hilarious it is that, I mean, this is, I think, our 63rd, 64th, pardon me for not knowing exactly what number, episode of Challenge Mania. And if you had set the odds back in like February, who's going to be on Challenge Mania first, Wes or Johnny Bananas? I I honestly don't think anyone would have said Wes. So I think that kind of says a little bit to what you're talking about here, Um, considering him and D are friends. Okay. Well, uh, well, I mean, I mean, I haven't asked him why he's not on the show because we don't have a relationship like that. But it's almost like if anyone's having any bout of success, if anyone's got anything going on for himself, it's like he's going to do whatever he can to hurt it and to take attention away from it and fame away from it because there's only one thing that matters to him, and that's his fame, his power, his money, his life. And it's like, we're all in the Truman show and he's Truman. And he doesn't understand that other people can be successful. And so can you. And in fact, if everyone's successful, the whole tide rises and everyone's boats goes with it. And so it's like the more successful he is, the better that bleeds into my entrepreneurship and the better my entrepreneurship is that bleeds into your guys' podcasts and everything. And we all are in this kingdom together to where even though we fight amongst each other, that kingdom is risen by every one of us becoming more and more successful. The more Johnny's, the more Mrs., the more uh, uh, Theo Vons, the more whatevers that come out of this world and go off and be- create illustrious careers for themselves, it makes all of us look better. Like we're more well-rounded, like we're more of a, using it as a stepping stone to build a great life for each other and for ourselves. And it's like Johnny just doesn't play that game. It's all just about him. And I've known that since about the very beginning that I met him and I've been calling him on it now for a decade. And it's like it's taken 10 years for people to understand that. Um, I forget who now I was listening to on your guys' podcast, but it was maybe a month ago and someone was like, oh yeah, like Corey was the first one to really call bananas on his bullshit. I just wanted to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've been calling bananas on his bullshit since the dawn of time. And here we are now, now it's popular. And I was the innovator of all that because he's been just as big of a douchebag back then as he is now. And I think by him not supporting his friend and coming on your guys' podcast is just such a big slap in everyone's face. And I think it takes, it should take a lot of credibility away from even the stuff that he's built for himself. D, do you want to play a little devil's advocate here and claim that we just haven't been able to have the schedules work out or what? Uh, you know what? I, I'm not. I don't think I'm ready to go out there and and publicly depict my thoughts on on it all uh, quite yet. To be completely honest with you, um, you know. So, so I'm you're pleading gonna you're, that you're going to plead the fifth for now. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to go and 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 psychoanalyze him. You know. I, I you know. I've I've worked with him in the past. Um, and, uh, we've, we've seen eye to eye on certain situations many, many a times. Um, 
you know, he said he's going to come, come on when, uh, when first look comes out. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll just work, work on that. I'll just, I'll just now. let that breathe right there. He's going to come on when first look comes out. All right, moving on. One more person I want to ask you about, um, Car Maria. So, you know, you guys had, I think, kind of a bumpy start to your relationship. Um, you'd said some some not kind things about her back in the day. Um, since you've taken a step away from the show, she, I think, has risen, and I want to get your opinion on this, to become sort of the female face of the franchise. So speak to that, whether you agree with that, and then how, it, how it's felt to see her kind of grow into the competitor and the, the brand ambassador that she's become today. Yeah. I mean, I'm proud of her and happy for her and she's doing a really good thing. And it goes to that rising tides raises all boats things like what she's doing in and outside of the game is good for all of us. It's good for our family. It's good for our community. It's good for MTV. It's good for the show itself. And she's taking it seriously. She's taking her like preparation for the interview seriously. She's taking her training seriously. She's taking her, 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 her social media approach, seriously, like everything is, she's treating it like a job and she understands what she's supposed to do and she does it. And I think like, this is my knock on some of the girls is like, so many of them have that attitude of, Oh, like I've got the heart, I'll get through it. And I'm just going to use my heart to will my way through this marathon. That is the finals. And then they get to the finals and they suck ass at it. And you're like, listen, like, this is why this is why you shouldn't be asked back. This is why you're not taking this seriously. Like it's not that hard to prep for some of this stuff. Like it should, it makes you healthy. It's like what you should be doing. And she is prepping. She is doing those things. And she would to not have a sports background and to be able to kind of put herself in positions where she's learned how to kind of train for these things says a lot about her and what she's trying to do to invest in our community. And I love that. And that's good. So that's good. But let's also, um, the, the, in person though. So that's just me watching as a fan, but in person, I started at the beginning of this stuff where she was just an incredibly inarticulate, immature, insecure, unathletic little girl that didn't know what to say or do or how to act. And all that manifested into such a level of awkwardness that it was borderline impossible to be around her or to work with her or whatever. And it took me multiple seasons and many months of living with the woman before eventually I caved and poured the soda on her head. And, uh, and so what I get this like weird rap because of that and a rep because of that, because it's like people like just, just think about that. But there was 30 days of us in Costa Rica of her like walking into a room and annoying the shit out of me. And then three hours later, she'll see me sitting there and she'll walk right up and then say something stupid. And so at the beginning of this, at the, at these weeks, I'd be like, I would just take it on the chin. And then a couple weeks later I would, I sat her down. I'm like, listen, like I'm trying not to make a thing of this. I'm trying to like work with you in the game, but like the way that you interact with me is just really like hard to be around. Can you just give me my space? And then she would come in and she would just keep pushing the envelope and pushing the envelope. And I don't think she was doing it on purpose. I think that she socially and uh, contextually, like her EQ is just not strong enough to understand that what she was doing was obnoxious. And all I wanted to do was not have her fix it because there wasn't enough time to actually have her understand what she was doing, but just to leave me alone so we didn't have to get it worse. And then fast forward to, uh, we go to the, the location change and we're in Buenos Aires in downtown and we go out and we get super annihilated. And me and Tyler and uh, Paula are having a, 
um, a food fight in the kitchen and whatever that running joke was. And I forget what it was. Car comes up in the middle of it and does that awkward bullshit. And I'm like, I just couldn't take anymore. So I, I brought her into the food fight and I thought I was just going to pour like a little bit of Coke on her and she was going to, um, run away, but she just sat there and took it. And it like, could you know how long it takes for a two liter bottle of soda to pour out? I mean, it takes a long time. It's like glug, glug, glug. And she just sat there and took it. And it's like, do I regret those actions? Very much so. That was not mature. That was not cool. It was just, it, it just was the action that came out of my body completely drunk as, um, as what happened after she at, she just purposely annoyed me over and over and over and over again. And I tried to get myself out of the situation repeatedly and as maturely as possible. And then when I was in a, a vulnerable and intoxicated state, the straw broke the camel's back and then it made it worse by the fact that she didn't run away when I started pouring it on her. And so I regret it. It was stupid. I wish I could take it back. Um, but I mean, she was, she kept putting herself in those situations over and over and over again. And all I really needed her to do was just leave me alone. What? Go ahead, D. Oh, dude, I wasn't there. I was just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't stop thinking about when you're describing that story, like to stay under an entire two liter bottle of pop to come all the way out. And like one person stand there and just waiting for it all to come out. And the other person standing there just like, taking it and it coming all the way out, you know? So, you know, that, that's all I, I wasn't there. I have no idea. Like that's, you know, that's, that's his story. You know what I mean? I just, that, that, that's, it's like something you don't see every day. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, I, that's why they put Wesley Carr on these shows all the time. Cause that shit is insane, dude. Not every day you see somebody take a two liter bottle of Coke to the face. Um, well, I mean, she walked into a food fight. She walked into the, I mean, this is how like not relevant to the story is the cameras were like sat down because like we were, we were literally just joking around. Like we were all just friends fucking around in the kitchen, throwing food at each other. And then she walks into that, did whatever that bad inside joke was. And I'm like, all right, I'm bringing you into the food fight. And that, to, that was the innocent kind of, uh, uh, you know, Trojan horse that brought me into it. And then, you know, she didn't run away. So instead of it being like, okay, she gets a couple ounces poured on her. And because she walked into a food fight, which is not a big deal, it turned into this whole thing of, she just looks so drenched. Cause she was, cause two liters of soda was just poured all over. Her. And, and, you know, looking back, I look and was an idiot and an asshole, uh, but it didn't like in my head, it didn't start that way. It started so much more innocently. Um, and you know, I take it back. It was stupid, but man, she just, she just annoyed the shit out of me. And I have a feeling though, that I don't think I would be as annoyed with her these days. Cause I feel like she's matured a lot. She's coming to her own. I don't feel like she's as insecure as she used to be. I just, I have this intuition that I would get along with her so much better today than I, than I did in actuality back, you know, 10 ish years ago, whenever it was. What are your thoughts on the people from your generation that have recently come back to the show? Um, Brad, Veronica, Shane, Derek, and how they've performed and how you feel the show has done a, whether they've done a good job of integrating them and kind of spreading the love a little bit. Cause for a while there, it seemed like they were going like full on into like 75%. Are you the one type cast? Then they do invasion. And now we're sort of evening it out these days. So how do you feel like they're doing that? Do you enjoy watching it? And who from your generation has stood out to you as having taken the ball and run with it? And who could you, you know, be just as happy to see never be cast again? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I've got a sour taste in my mouth with Veronica because, I mean, she was she was a part of that whole mob bullshit on on ruins that we talked about in the last segment, and and she, I've she's, I don't know, I've never really liked her for a lot of good provable reasons. I've never done anything wrong to her. She's just always been mean, and she's always like looking for a fight when it's like I, I don't know, it's like no matter what you when you're around her, you're just in the wrong, no matter what you're doing. Um, and she showed up for whatever reason. She was on Champs versus Pros one. And that was the first time I had seen her since Thailand, which was a long time ago. And she showed up just so out of shape. And it's like, and and I, so my, the thesis of your answer here is I think people should be allowed to bring them back because uh, there's a lot, they have a lot of fans and it's paying tribute to another generation. And it's fun to have a very well-rounded and diversified cast. But if you're putting someone in there that literally couldn't finish a final with an infinite amount of time, how is that fair to people that are training and are ready to do this? Like this is a sport and a television show. And just because she qualifies for the television show part doesn't mean she qualifies for the sport part. And with the fact that there are literal thousands of people that now qualify to be on this game, why are they picking someone that can't physically defend herself and is going to lose just about everything that she does? And so I think that that's just a misstep casting wise. Um, now you on the, on the, other end of that spectrum is the Brads, uh, who definitely can defend himself, is doing everything he can to prepare, is going into these things jacked, going in on episode one and finding the youngest, blondest girl he can and just banging her all over the house. Like that is a well-rounded, prepared OG cast member that's doing what he can to qualify for both the sport and the television show. And both boxes need to be checked. And, and he, he did that. He did that well. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm a fan of it. I'm also a friend of his. I, and, uh, and so maybe I'm a little bit biased, but, uh, I think that those are the two sides of the spectrum. And I feel like they should bring back old people because they bring momentum, they bring fans, but those people need to be athletic. Like it's not, it's not hard to find an athletic person. That's also a good cast member. So they should have both. I'm tired of these, uh, you know, the Casey's and the Veronica's of the world because they just, they take credibility away from the sport, as you guys put it. They take credibility away from the game when there's all of these, you know, layups. So there, there should be no layups, and that would make it so much more exciting. What about what do you think of D's run on the uh, Dirty Thirty? Goes and comes in second, first time out in seven years, and then his appearance as a mercenary against Joss, which a lot of people compared to his, um, you know, dual elimination with yours truly not your you not me um what'd you think of that because i've heard you talk about it getting a few jabs in i don't know now that we've cleared the air over here on part one i'd love to get what i hope would be your honest opinion on both his run on dirty 30 and the elimination with joss um and i'd love to know how much of the last time i heard you talk about it was a little bit because we hadn't cleared the air yet Right. Okay. So, you know, and we've cleared the air, we had some cathartic stuff. And so I, I hope I'm not going to tread on vulnerable territory here, uh, and put my foot in my mouth, but I, I, we got to have a little bit of stew in part two. Come on. This can't all be loaded into part one. And then part two is Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. All right. You asked for it. Well, Derek, Derek pulled Derek and Darrell have a very, very similar game and it is what would be considered the absolute best strategy that there could possibly be if this wasn't a televised game. 
And what I mean by that is if some like rich person pulled together and made a challenge game and you did it in some suburb of Chicago or whatever, then how Derek and Durrell plays exactly the strategy is you literally don't piss off anybody. You stay wallpaper. When there's a fight, you duck your head and you walk away. You just, you just constantly try and be friends with everyone that you possibly can. You stay out of everything. You throw votes if possible. You do everything that is just so anticlimactic that there could possibly be that there's no reason for anyone to ever come after you. And with that, you can kind of low, low, um, be not on anyone's radar. Right. Um, and that's the best actual strategy that there is, but it's a two edged sword because this is to qualify for this game. You have to be good at the game and you also have to be a good cast member, but that strategy by default makes you a bad cast member. So I'm not out. Like I don't see him politicking. I don't see him causing fights with people that are against him, even though that he might feel one way with someone. I don't see him telling us the story that is, is his game because storytelling puts him in a position that is, you know, adversarial and adversarial is entertaining, but adversarial is bad for the game. And so like if I was like his agent or whatever, I'd be saying, what the heck, man, like you got to be doing a little bit of both. And so even though it almost won him a half a million dollars, it also might have sealed his fate as far as why he wasn't a full fledged cap member and, and vendettas and final reckoning. Who knows what's coming up? Um, and so that would be just like if I was his agent providing notes on things. And so that doesn't mean like go out and fake relationships and fake fight with people and fake all that stuff. It's just keep in mind that Buna Murray before anything else were documentarians and they still consider themselves that. And that is the ethos of that business. And the, a good documentarian can only tell the story that is told to them. And you've got to give them the footage of where is this gamesmanship coming from and what's the thought process behind this and go have some of those conversations and pull people aside and, and all that kind of stuff. And so do you no. put any stock into the fact that, you know, it was his first time back on the show in like seven years and also he's got now he's got a kid at home that like, you know, he has all this tape on the Internet that's never going to go away of him being that other kind of cast member who's getting drunk and getting into fights and doing all the wrestling and stuff like that. Could you put any stock into this being his first one that his kid's really going to see this being his first one back into the fold with a bunch of new people he doesn't know? And do you feel like that's just Derek in a nutshell or was that Derek re? entering the fold on the dirty 30 this one particular season because from some of the other stuff you were saying about him on the past seasons made it seem like he was kind of you know the other kind of competitor um you know i that's that's hard to answer but like there's nothing in the past five years that i've done that i'm not going to show my kids like i've made some mistakes that maybe in the five years before that i might try and skirt under the rug as best as possible but i mean my business has been around for seven years and so i knew that if i was going to make it in entrepreneurship i had to cut out the fighting and the fucking and so i have done just that i haven't fought or fucked anybody in the half a decade plus on these shows. And I still find a way to make sure that I'm a central part of every goddamn story that there is on every show that there is without having to fight or fuck. And, uh, and so like on one hand, it's like, yeah, I, I feel for him having to tell a bit to show a good, well-rounded leadership story to his son. But I feel the same way about my business and my, my potential customers. And I don't, and I just find a way to help the documentarians tell a good, well-rounded story. And I just find ways to get involved in things without necessarily, um, without necessarily doing, you know, traditional reality television stuff. D, I got to give you a chance to respond here. Do you think I'm, his criticism is fair at all? Or? 
Yeah, 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 sure, of course. Um, you know, but I, I think people can be um, exciting in, in many different ways. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah. Because you're a popular maybe, guy. People love you online. You're very popular. I mean, may, may, maybe it's boring to, you know, to, uh, to almost win uh, the biggest cash prize. Um, and then losing, maybe, maybe that is boring, you know, maybe it is boring, you know, to, uh, you know, take out, you know, the all time challenge champ and his, uh, first, first time back first elimination back. Um, maybe it is boring, you know, to make it to the, to the, uh, final elimination and then, uh, take out guys like Tony and and Hunter. Um, you know, maybe it is boring to show up at, uh, you know, at vendettas as a mercenary, tell the guy I'm going to beat his fucking ass. And then, and then uh, taunt him in the ring, and then go ninety minutes beating the fuck out of each other until point you can't you, you can't move, um, and walk away with it. Um, maybe it is boring. Maybe maybe it's not what they're looking for. Um, so let's not give any credibility to beating bananas in an elimination because there's a lot of people that have done that. Okay, cool. Second, and and, and, and uh, it, that, that's true. That's true. Where in Derby Thirty did I see you pull someone aside and talk game? I mean, uh, what what game do I need to talk? I, I mean, maybe it's a not. Hold on. I don't, as a as a fan, I don't know your strategy, and I want to know your strategy, and I don't get to hear it because if you're either not talking politics or you're doing so off camera. Um. Yeah. So I I do like to refer to myself as the silent assassin. I, I don't I don't feel like I need to tell everyone my my every game move all the time. Um. Let me just tell you, coming back into the dirty thirty, playing with people I either haven't seen in seven years or playing with people that have, uh, that have all played with each other. Even these new people I've never met before was quite a challenge. You know what I mean? Um, not to mention, uh, I wasn't trying to get into the only physical altercation on the show, uh, where the guy gets kicked off, but I did, you know, so, um, maybe that stuff isn't exciting, but why, why do I need to tell everyone exactly what move I need to make when I'm making it? Sometimes you don't know what the fuck you're doing till you got the double cross in front of you and you have to pull it. You know, maybe you have to, maybe you do have to tell everyone that you, uh, that, that you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna put them in and then pull the double cross and then put them in and lie to someone. And now all of a sudden you're this big fucking asshole who just lied to everybody. Maybe I don't want to do it that way. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe the cards didn't fall to the point where I have to look like a scumbag, you know? And I, I try to keep myself, you know, pretty clean for the most part. Uh, are there dirty moves made in the background behind the scenes? Um, you know, do I try to keep the blood off my hands? Absolutely. Are people getting assassinated left and right, you know, in front of my eyes to the point where there's explosions every single day and I'm fucking saying they're watching it sometimes. And that's not exciting, but you know, sometimes, you know, when you're in a game of survival and you don't want to have the, 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 the blood on your hands in front of everyone to see, then, you know, I don't know, maybe that's not exciting, but you know, sometimes that's what's happening. Yeah, like that. You did. You answered the question. But like like what I'm getting at, though, is like if and then that's why I paid tribute to it before. If this was a not televised game, you have the best gameplay. Yeah. But this is this is and, televised. And, and I want to know I want to I want to see more of those stories. And as a fan, as a fan, I don't want to see a silent assassin. I want to see an assassin. And as a fan, I don't want to see bloodless hands. I want to see blood. Yeah. So, so, but, but on top of that, like, you know, we are sort of, there's a lot of words said and gameplay talk in interviews, you know? So, I mean, just because I'm not spilling it 
doesn't mean, I mean, just because you're not seeing it doesn't mean I'm not spilling it and saying it. It's, it's their choice not to play my gameplay. You know what I mean? So, And I'm the closest thing D has to an agent. And <laughs> as much as you said, like, you know, that agent would be advising him do a little bit more. I'll be honest. I'd be probably saying to him, Booby, listen, sit down. You came in second place. The Nelson kid, he started a fight with you. He went home. Oh, Booby, if they do another rivals, it's you and him. It's locked up. Come on, Booby. Just stay cool. Start the podcast. He'll be fine. I was utterly shocked to find out that he wasn't cast on Vendetta's. And like, even if you told me, oh, he's not cast because Nelson can't do it. No, Nelson's on it, and his vendetta is Shane because I guess they bumped into each other in a crowded bar once. And then, then they do Final Reckoning, which is part of this big trilogy. And again, they don't bring on the guy who is the fan favorite, who actually backs it up in challenges, who you have the footage, even if D's not the one talking the shit. You have the footage of Nelson getting kicked off for fighting him, which is more than you have with 90% of these rivalries. I would, I would be a bad agent because... Because I would have told him he had did he had done all he needed to do and didn't need to do more, and I would have been wrong. So I don't know. Yeah, no, those are those are good arguments, but I mean, but and it, I also I also don't know why he's not cast. I mean, I'll throw it out. <laughs> I also I also was surprised not to see him on Vendettas. But let's get back to your other questions so we can throw some more compliments at the man here. Is it was fun as fuck to watch you play uh, the the whatever the ring game was against Joss? Like that was I watched that. And had a great time watching. I mean, it was fun. I loved the taunting. The taunting was great in the ring, out of the ring, how you took it, the blood, all that stuff was was fantastic. Like I absolutely loved all of it. And and uh, and so I got to give you props. It was great. Um, you know, but quantitatively, it only took me twenty minutes to do what it took you to do five an hour, right? It's funny you mentioned mentioned that because and he was a lot bigger than you. Because you, you mentioned yeah. that you know, he was. He's uh, chiseled out of solid granite. And, His and muscles work for him when he doesn't even work out. There, there, and there is a big, there was a big difference, though, you know, like being on our knees and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not taking anything away from you back then. You were in better shape. Um, you, I, you, even in the house, dude, I mean, you took care of yourself better. You drank less. You know, um, and Derek, if you're ever, no offense to Joss, but if you're ever going to make a comment like the one you made before Wes, before going into an elimination, I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, in the, but on top of that, like me, me and Wes are, you know, we're on our knees, you know, which is going to you know, wear you down for a, a lot quicker. I mean, with the, with the Joss thing, we were up, we were, we're on our, on our feet and, um, well, you know, I, was the, the, on, I was on my knees. Yes. Yes. Reactively. Sometimes I, I did my, my, uh, my leg did come up reactively. You mean reactively but cheated. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was just a reaction. It was just a reaction. I mean, I'm just playing. I'm just yeah. playing. There's an old saying: if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I yeah. I think I th- think we went back and forth on Twitter and Instagram about this uh, enough times for us to know <laughs> what, we're, what we're saying. But um, but uh, but but my point is like the body whips, the body checks, because Wes, um, that that figure eight was so long. You know what I mean? It was like it was two circles or two rings fused together, and the the way we were able to like throw each other and whip each other. I mean, there's just so much more. It was it was like it was like high flying. It felt like you know what I mean. I went airborne a couple times. Not gonna lie, I got dragged a couple times. You know, but you know, yeah, you know the blood, the dirt. I mean, it's there. Shit talking. You know what I mean? What else? You know, I told the guy I was gonna fucking beat his ass. I didn't know him. He's way bigger than me. Looks a lot better than me. Always will. You Bobby, know I mean? you like, did your shit talking. You served your purpose, no, Bobby. No, you I mean, did enough. I'm, I'm with. I'm with it, right? Like, at, like if I was your agent, I'm like, whoa, what you just did in those 10 minutes on vendettas, you just need to do that 
24 seven on every show that you do. Like that's kind of, that's, that's how you get invited to everything that there is. Yeah. And, but it was good. I'm, I'm, I'm tipping my hat to the man. I mean, I'm not, I'm, always, I'm not sitting here looking to get cast. I'm just, we're just fucking talking and bullshit, you know? So Bobby, it's like, as your agent, you want to get cast, Bobby, come on. Don't say that. The gods are listening. Hmm. Tell them um, they can all go fuck themselves. All right, let's get a let's just put kidding, a good old fashioned uh, bow on this. Uh, the end of part two here because we're going on three hours. Um, at Wes, anything else you want to talk about before we let you go? I mean, nothing specific comes to mind, no. Well, dude, I can't thank you enough um, for you know I think kind of sprinkling in little mini olive branches along the road that I of course took and ran with, and eventually we were able to make this happen. And it really does. I, I will take. Uh, I will be quite honest with you. It is a tremendous compliment to myself and to the show that you you know being in the position that until about you know two and a half hours ago you were in with Derek still managed to confess that you enjoyed our product here. So you know the fact that you let us know that and let me know that over the last few months on social media actually you know gave us a lot of, of confidence and, and and helped us along the road here so we appreciate the kind words coming into this we appreciate you taking the time to speak to us today and being so candid any other challenge mania tropes you want me to to fall into here before we leave and you know you want De a devil's advocate to play a game with you real quick how can we make this the full-on challenge mania experience for you I don't know. I, I, I think I think I got the full on experience and I just just keep popping up those episodes, guys, because I mean, like I kind of alluded to at the beginning of this one, like I have to go back and forth between Tulsa and Kansas City. I do about one and a half full trips every single week. And so I'm spending eight plus hours in the car at a time or not at a time, like as, as a week. And so that's why I'm able to knock these out. And so you are you guys are helping me get through like the worst part of my job. And I've got a great job once I get to it. But those four hour drives to and fro aren't cool and so i thank you guys for that product and it just it feels like i'm watching the show uh w w listening to you all and the and the tea you spill i mean it keeps me up to date it's like my cliff notes for everything and it's and if and when i return to the challenge uh i feel like i'm up to date because i've been studying game tape that you guys are putting forth for me gonna have to send him some swag bro gonna have to send him some swag people would be like whoa that's fucking crazy well it's funny and i want to let everybody listening to this know because there's going to be people out there who are like wait Wes, what when when did they take the questions i said to Wes, i said Wes, there's a few ways we can play this sometimes we do a soft announcement where we ask patrons for questions sometimes we announce in advance and everybody asks the questions or we could just keep this hush 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 i can you know come up with some of my own questions i reached out to alan aguirre to give me some stats i reached out to a trust patron to give me some more questions but we can blow everybody's minds and Wes I believe your words were I'm always one for blowing people's minds so we decided to keep this one hush hush because we knew it would be such a surprise to you guys and hopefully we delivered and I asked the questions you guys would have wanted me to ask even though you didn't necessarily have the ability to feed those to us directly on Twitter but um, I personally having had a front row seat for this entire thing and having followed all this you know drama over the years between you guys and have been secretly wishing this could one day come to fruition here I think we have we have done this justice and I'm, I'm proud of what we did here today guys yeah very much so uh, and Derek I've always had respect for you I got love for you there's a place in my heart for you I will one of these days see you in the fucking sand but uh I, that doesn't mean that I don't have respect for you and that you're not, I don't consider you an important part of our family. So much love from my end. And, uh, and so it's just, it's a, it's a playful rivalry. That's it. Yes. And, 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 and when I do see you in, in the sand one day, just know that you'll be staring down the barrel of a gun.
Good night, Wes. All right, good night. Wes, thank See you, you so much, hey, brother. No, really, oh, thanks so much, dude. Missed, we missed one We missed one important thing. I am so sorry to 100 Howard questions guy, uh, 100 question Howard, because we didn't get to answer any of his questions, and I just I feel bad. So salute to him. Salute well, to 100 Darrell? question Howard. I thought Darrell was your favorite. I thought Darrell was your favorite. Well, no, no, hundred question. Howard's my favorite fan of challenge me. He's great, dude. He actually, he came out to the Orlando event and he asked a question in true 100 question Howard fashion. He had like four questions ready to go like live while we're on stage, just like boom, boom, boom. And uh, he was hilarious. And he's one of our patrons and he's one of our favorite listeners. So sorry, hundred question Howard. We couldn't get to a hundred of your questions, but hopefully we got some of them indirectly as well. And Wes now actually is confirming it here live on the air. He is a fan of yours um oh real quick you mentioned Darrell is this is this true I mean, because I honestly uh, my bullshit meter went off when I saw you and Darrell kind of sh- you know throwing shit back and forth at each other it felt a little bit too perfect this is some real deal beef between you two okay replay phase one of what we did here on the last podcast uh for the first third of that show Derek and Darrell were little butt buddies about getting rid of me and throwing me into every single one. So Darrell is just as guilty as all that shit as Derek is. And then fast forward to the ruins, Darrell was just as much of a guy that didn't lead up, lead anyone or spring anyone aside and say, Hey, maybe we're taking this too far. He was a direct contributor of the treadmill stuff and, and all the bullying yeah, that he, took place. He, he actually unclipped you. Yeah. He, he was actually the one that unclipped you. That, yeah. That, he was that, the one that, that he was the one that unclipped me. Also in that show, he told <laughs> told me he screamed in my face. You can't turn a hoe into a housewife, referring to my girlfriend at the time. So he's calling my actual girlfriend, screaming into my face on national television that my girlfriend is a hoe. He then beat me on uh, in in Champs versus Pro season one and didn't do so gracefully. Uh, he has had the ability to step up and defend me many times in the last ten years, and he's just completely bitched out. I think he sucks ass at a lot of the things that are required to be a great cast member and a great game player. I think he's a good runner and uh, that helps him out in certain situations. And I think he's good in some sand situations, but other than that, I think he's completely flawed and vulnerable and he runs his mouth a little bit more than he should. And uh, is it fun to play it up? Yes. Which is where you might be getting some of that bullshit meter from, but is the guy a douchebag? Yes. All right. Well said. We've got a Darrell shirt coming to the challenge shop pretty soon. And we'll send one of those, one of those over to you, Wes. Dude, yeah. thank you so I'll, much, brother. I'll, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a, a Devin one uh, or, a, or a Kayla. Boom. We'll, t- we'll send you a Kayla. We'll send you a Devin. We'll send you some challenge mania swag. Um, but dude, thank you so much, man. Hey, get him a, a Devin one and a Kayla one. Then send him a Darrell one that he can light on fire. Yeah, no worries. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Hey, all uh, all games aside, man. I hope you and uh, your wife are doing good, and your dog and all that, man. I hope you're doing all right. Thanks for coming on, dude. I appreciate it. All right, yeah. The same's back to you. Love you guys. Scott, Scott you can cut the last parts out. <laughs> yeah, I'll cut the I'll cut the, uh, <laughs> the exchanging of pleasantries out at the end. Uh, dude, thank you so much, Wes, man. I'll talk to you. All right, goodbye. See ya. Los Angeles, California. We are coming to you for Challenge Mania Live. Saturday, September 22nd from the Brea Improv in Brea, California. Come thirsty because Susie Meister and Sarah Rice are our guests and they will be serving up some tea. Oh, we will definitely bring the tea. Wait, you guys don't call call it tea, you call it stew. This is California though, better be vegan. There's a pre-show meet and greet and a 90 plus minute live interactive stage show where you guys, the maniacs, 
and the Brainiacs will be part of the show. Personally, I just can't wait to make Derek super nervous and uncomfortable. It's my favorite hobby. Yeah, uh, there's a good chance that happens. Derek, he... uh... Scott, Derek knows we're coming, right? Actually, you know what? Don't tell him. That'd be even funnier. Challenge Mania Live, Saturday, September 22nd at the Brea Improv in Brea, California. Show starts at 6 p.m. Meet and greet starts at 4. This is one live show I promise you guys you do not want to miss. Tickets are available at challengemania.live, but they are going fast. I just love that Sarah gets to headline a comedy club 10 minutes from Johnny's house. All right, dude. I love that, man. That was a really fun chat. We couldn't have had that chat without part one, but part two was was the more fun episode for me. What do you think? Well, I, I feel like we're missing a three. Oh, we're going to get to three. Dude, he's dude. He's a huge fan of the show. And now that we got all the bullshit with you and him out of the way, I wouldn't be surprised if we had him on for a part three before the end of the year. Well, it's just he has so there's so much more that this guy has done and been a part of and uh, and you know, like I want to know about, dude. We we didn't even get into all of the eliminations that he's been in. Yeah, yeah I let's, think we let's just let need everyone to know what we didn't get to. How awesome was what we just got to? I'm just kidding. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever, dude. I mean, <laughs> I get what you're saying though. There's a lot to get to, and you know, this you know, one, I like you know, look, you know, you know, you know, I I don't, I'm not, I'm not big on the drama. You know, I like the competition. The guy's been in a lot of them. You know, so that's. That's what I'm talking about. That, that, those are the things that I like. You know what I mean? Like when Landon described, you know, his loss to, to Brad, like it was a car crash. Like that, that to me is like intense, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I know, and I know Wes has got a lot of those too. And those are the things that we haven't gotten to. And he's got a couple championships, you know, we didn't, we didn't ask what those were like. All right. So you know? we get it. We're going to have Wes on for a part three. I'm sorry. We didn't, I'm sorry. We didn't get to anything relevant yeah. in part two, um, but let Wes hear it. If you liked him on the show, I think he would appreciate it because he enjoys listening to the show. And I think he'd love to know that you guys enjoyed hearing him on the show. We thought he was a great addition at Weston Bergman on Twitter at shot of Jaeger at Derek MTV if you want to holler at us as well and let us know questions for who we're going to have on next and also let us know who you want us to have on next we do take all of your input and we do try to make you guys happy you guys asked for landon all year we finally found him all right we had to dig the guy out of a we had to dig the guy out of a pile of dentist chairs but we found him speaking of dentist chairs (laughs) hilarious submission to the landon photoshop contest it is the winner right now but there's still a couple days left to submit we're probably going to close it out on wednesday and announce the winner on the next podcast here later in the week also the fantasy football league over at patreon.com slash challenge mania we're still leaving two spots open that we'll probably announce by the next podcast too so still two spots open still enough time to become a patron submit your application to join the patron only fantasy football league over at challenge mania raising some money for charity doing some good and have your chance to win a challenge mania swag pack and be on the challenge mania podcast man lot to talk about but as i mentioned i'm a bit under the weather so let's let people go hit us up on twitter and let us know what you thought of the episode we're gonna come at you with that dc guest for the uh probably after maybe after this week's final reckoning we'll drop it on twitter but we do have a great guest to announce for october 13th in dc at the dc improv that's challengemaniadc.com for tickets brea improv is september 22nd sarah rice Susie meister sarah grace and the gauntlet queen tickets at challengemania.live for that and then boston 
September 29th, it will be myself, Derek, Cara Maria, Cousin Jamie, and now we have announced Devin Walker. Let's go. We'll be in the house. We know we will have some Devin Walker merch at the stand, but don't wait. Buy it beforehand and bring it to the show so you can watch, so you can walk in rocking that shit. Um, can't wait to see the look on his face when he sees how many Let's Go t-shirts are in the house for that one. We will also have some Cara merch there as well. Challenge Boston for tickets is at the Howl at the Moon. And remember, our viewing party at the East End Bar and Grill is September 4th. Myself and Devin Simone, not to be confused with Devin Walker. We got a lot of Devins on the show and the uh, on the live events lately. And, of course, Emily Longaretta from Us Weekly will be there as well, co-hosting with myself. Go check out her podcast as well. Watch with us over on iTunes. She gets awesome guests. She just had Skeet Ulrich on from uh, from Riverdale and Scream. And she does, she does some really cool interviews over there and obviously talks a lot of challenge, too. Make sure you're RSVP. That's Challenge Mania Podcast at gmail.com all right i'm gonna text west right now let's set up part three what do you think hold on did you um notice emily ask dave gentoli the road rules question yes when she interviewed yeah him? yeah he completely dodged it no he, well he was just like it's the i, I want to know if he was sarcastic or not uh like he goes he says he goes oh yeah it's the first thing that i it's the first thing on my resume he's like a superstar actor now right yeah like is so is it really the first thing on his resume, does he leave it on there or does he do like a lot of people say, you don't let, you know, the movie world, the acting world, the film world know that you're on reality TV. What was it? What did you I don't get? know. Did I'll ask sarcastic? Emily. We'll see what the, we'll see what the vibe was. Sometimes that stuff doesn't translate, but we'll find out what, what the vibe was. Um, shouts to him though, for doing it big, making it to Grimm and all that. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking yeah. of Grimm, I'm feeling pretty grim right now. Sorry for all the sniffles yeah. and everything in the intros and outros this week. We can't thank Ting enough. Remember, go to mania.ting.com and you can get $25 off your bill or off a new phone. Shouts to Ting. And we appreciate every single one of you and our patrons, especially you guys. You guys keep the lights on here twice a week for everybody else. All the freeloading maniacs. But we love you all the same. Yeah, and get ready for mercenary mayhem. It is here. It is the eve of. And if you're still listening to it, get ready for some fucking destruction by these people. It's here. There's more of it. Let's go. Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets, no, Big Mac and Quarter Pounder with cheese. Or filet fish You'd be doing the same thing if you were at McDonald's because you can choose not just one, but two of your favorites for just six bucks. Tasty Big Mac, crispy 10-piece Chicken McNuggets, juicy Quarter Pounder with cheese, or savory filet fish Enjoy two of your all-time favorites for just six bucks, if you can decide on the two. Prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal, single item at regular price. With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming. Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details.